Good morning, Patriots. Hey, how are you guys doing? I hope you guys are having a great day. We've got so much to talk to talk about. I don't even know how we're going to get it all done. With so much news, I just feel like this is what it's going to be for 2024. 2024 is lit. So let's get started. Um, okay, so the first thing, <laughs> there's no time to waste. Freedomforce.live is my website. We put all the videos over there, all of the research that we've done for years. Uh, we look at how this is biblical. I've got so many things to show you. And, and uh, at the end, I've got some uh, uh, how, how, uh, another little wonderful connection I made with how this is biblical. So let's go. The first thing we're going to talk about today is this tunnel. We've been talking about this for so long, you guys. And now this came out. Actually, um, let me see on the post. There it is. It came out on the headlines on the New York Post. So conspiracy no more this is the fact this is real and this is what's you know we, we, we're not <laughs> crazy conspiracy theorists when it's right there they're crawling out of the ground this is outrageous to bad boys spark holy war by digging illegal tunnel under brooklyn synagogue and they don't have any excuse for any reasoning for why this is happening and why they were pulling out you know, all these mattresses out of there. So here it is on the, the building right here where the tunnel was discovered. This is their, the, the former men's bath, whatever that is, that's just grossing me out. Women's prayer section, which another thing that's kind of creeping me out. And then uh, the headquarters is right here. So this is what it looks like right there on Eastern Parkway. Uh, near Brooklyn Avenue that the tunnel was discovered. All right, so here is this guy just giving a short synopsis. Remember, we were looking at the video and, and we're like, what are they doing? Why are they tearing everything up? They were tearing up their, their, their chairs. It's like, why are they going crazy? They were pulling away the paneling because that was covering up there where they had dug this tunnel. And so the paneling was just there temporarily so that they could just sneak behind it like this creep did. So check it out today at a New York synagogue after secret underground tunnels were found in the building. Now, these illegal tunnels were actually discovered last month when neighbors reported suspicious noises coming from underneath their homes. Following the discovery, the synagogue leadership called in structural engineers to assess the damage these tunnels may have had. And then today, when cement mixers and construction crew arrived to fill them up, a group of rebellious Orthodox men tried to stop it. Many of them started ripping away the wooden walls, hiding the entrances to the secret tunnels, and then running in to them to try and prevent them from being filled. A riot broke out, police were then called, and they ended up arresting 12 of the men. Now, it's not clear what their purpose was, but they were reportedly being dug for an entire month. They had a freaking soiled old mattress for some reason. And eerie footage posted on Crown Heights. There you go. There you go. So here you go. This is the this is the footage of it, and it's it's it looks <laughs> um I don't even know what to say. No one in their right mind would have anything that looks like this. Check it out. Look how filthy. I mean, you can't even walk. It's it's just so, I know it's hard to see. It's, it's kind of dark down there. It's a tunnel. <laughs> so and they, it's not the greatest footage, but it's creeping me out and scary. I mean, this is not, this has not just been six months or whatever. Look, they've got, they put stairs. They put concrete stairs down here. Yeah. So th this is one. This is one of the rooms, and it's got clothing uh, uh, draped over the this little banister thing here. And then you go and you see this really small hole. You'll see a small tunnel that leads to another tunnel. I mean, it's like a catacomb. 
and look how just it's disgusting and and <laughs> unkempt you know if you're gonna have a tunnel keep it tidy but it just looks like something for rats doesn't it all right so i wanted you to see this this is this is uh conspiracy no more so someone says they are crazy they don't have tunnels there's your tunnel right there it's a tunnel and you tell me what's going on down there you know if, if someone you know we think something very nefarious is going on and these children go missing and the, what's the uh, what better way to get away with the child within a tunnel and that's why they're you know, the city's trying to cover well for various reasons they're trying to cover it up and then they go crazy not wanting them to to close up their tunnel their precious tunnel it's disgusting there's no other explanation for how uh, how they responded than something was very nefarious going on there. All right. So then, yeah, the, here it is on the New York Post. So yeah, this is the channel, freedomforce.live, freedomforce.live. This is biblical. We are experiencing the Great Awakening. There is no doubt about it. 2024 is really uh, has the the pedal down on the floor. So check check out all our videos over there. You can check out our social media. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe. Make sure you help get this truth out. My friend was like, we've got to get your truth out. you got the best news of anybody. And, and you put it all together with how it's biblical. I'm like, I know. And these are my books that I have written about end times. The Lord helped me to decode this because I've been uh, teaching God's word for lots and lots and lots of years. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh my goodness, now I get it. And now I get, you know, how the, uh, the truth about revelation. So so we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. All right. So then I wanted you to see um, our wonderful Kanakoa the Great. He is amazing. I love him. Don't forget to, to follow him. He's on Twitter. He's on Telegram. He is uh, exposing the timeline of how a Fani or Fanny, Fani, whatever, has been uh, working with the Biden administration to try to, you know, to indict President Trump. They all have been working together at the at the direction of Biden. And you might look, well, Biden's, you know, doesn't have his mind there. Well, whatever the Biden administration, the cabal administration, trying to do anything they can to prevent President Trump from from being. Um, uh, president again. And actually, I just saw something, you know, I just posted on social media where in Arizona, they've taken him off the the primary ballot. Can you imagine these people? They're just, they're just going on with it. Forget, they don't really care about what the Supreme Court says. So we have to watch every little step, every little move they make because these people are criminals. If they'll make a tunnel underground, they'll also do Lord only knows what. Anyway, so let me see if I can make this a little bit bigger. Um, she, uh, her legal team met with Biden's White House about getting Trump case on taxpayer dime. Of all things, of course, when you're going to be a criminal, you go full on, right? Make sure that you charge the, the American people for being for all your criminal activity. So here it is on November 18th, 2022, Joe Biden's White House held an eight-hour meeting with Nathan Wade, Fannie Willis's lead uh, lead prosecutor investigating Donald Trump. On that very day, Joe Biden's attorney general appointed Jack Smith as a special counsel investigating Donald Trump. Why did Fannie Willis's lead prosecutor bill taxpayers $2,000 to talk to Joe Biden about prosecuting his leading political opponent? <laughs> They're over there talking about, we're going to, okay, we'll work with you and we will, we will prosecute your uh, political opponent but uh, while we're over here, we're going to charge you for the time that we're doing this. I mean, it's 
Um, they're just, they have no shame, these people. Why did Biden's DOJ appoint uh, Jack Smith on the very same day that they met with Bonnie Willis's lead prosecutor? So this is the guy right here, her lead prosecutor and her, her man on the side. <laughs> By the way, that's another tidbit that just came out. Is the Biden White House coordinating the prosecution of Donald Trump? Uh, looks like it. Looks like it. And they've been caught They've been caught. We have evidence of it. And so actually right here. Okay, here's the bill. Here's the $2,000 bill. Can you see that? I know it's not that great of a, a, a an image. It's kind of a, a shadowy. But uh, yeah, this is the conference with the White House on May 23rd, 2022. They charged them $2,000. Uh, court records revealed that Nathan Wade, her uh, Fonnie Willis's lead prosecutor, met with the Biden's White House counsel on May 23rd and November 18th, 2022, before indicting Trump. Fonnie Willis's lead prosecutor billed that pack taxpayers $4,000 to Biden's White House counsel for 16 hours about prosecuting the, the, his uh, political opponent. Yeah, there you go. And now it's all over the news. Spread this. Like your hair is on fire. Share this information. Conoco of the Great is so great. He gives a, a timeline. I'm going to just scroll down and let you see it. But because I, I don't have time to read through, but every, but play by play, day after day after day, what they were doing you know, illegally to to uh, you know to to indict President Trump, to subpoena his people, all of this. And, and also the IRS whistleblowers testifying that DOJ blocked felony charges, restricted witness interviews and prevented search warrants and prohibited questions about Joe during Hunter Biden investigation. So he talks about that, too. He's got the timeline on that where they were trying to prevent the truth from coming out about Hunter Biden. Well, I just my husband just came in. He says there, there's something blowing up about Hunter this morning that he that they've got him dead to rights. They've got all the evidence. They've got the dot to dot with the bank uh, records prove that how they were stealing, they were taking money and the only business was the the name of Joe Biden, that he would he would do something that uh, for political reasons for them. So, yeah, this is all all this evidence Kanakoa has. So definitely check into that um, and read through that. So you have the exact timeline uh, play by play and to put the cherry on top. <laughs> Fannie Willis was subpoenaed to testify in her colleague's divorce. What they don't, what they fail to mention is that she's the reason for the divorce. She and the millions of dollars. I mean, and Fanny, of course, is a very uh, 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 admirable woman, I'm sure. <laughs> had nothing, his love for her had nothing to do with the millions of dollars that they were, uh, that she, she made sure that he had in his pockets. And so, obviously, then it goes into her pockets if it's in his pocket and he's her girl on the side. So now she, there's a, she's subpoenaed to testify in this divorce. So she's not only a criminal, she's also a homewrecker. There you go, Fonny. And, and she's famous. Let's continue to make her famous, everybody. Very fun to expose these criminals. Right. All right. So let's get started on the main thing today. Today, the main thing I want to talk about is this huge information coming out from um, from uh, from Bannon about uh, uh, currency wars, how they are using all of our our money to to destroy us, basically, and to put us in debt servitude. And I wanted you, you to know people talk about, oh, when are the horsemen coming out? The horsemen are the ways they've been 
destroying us for all these years, for literally thousands of years and how what they have used. And they've just gotten better and better and better at it. The one I want to focus on today is the black horse, which is deprivation, which is the financial uh, the financial piece that they put us all in debt servitude where we're, you know, in debt up to our eyeballs uh, personally on a state level and on the nation level. OK, so if you imagine there there are there's a certain uh, group that is controlling all of the currency. And so they they tweak it so that we just have the littlest bit of nothing to, to, to subsist on. And so they and then they take. Uh, all the goodie for themselves. They just have enough for us so that we can just barely eke out a living. So um, they dare not let us, you know, get any anything that we actually own, right? You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. They will, um, this is their whole plan is to keep everyone, unless you're part of their system. And this is what it talks about when it says that um, there are those who took the mark of the beast who were, and they're the only ones who could buy or sell. This is the point. If you're part of their system, then you can own property. Then you can, you know, in, in general, I'm not saying like not every man, woman and child. There are some who've been able to 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 surpass the system. But by and large, if you stand up for what is right, like Mike Lindell if, and, you know, and and Mike Rock, Mike Adams right here with with Brideon.tv. If you stand up for what is right, you get slammed and they try everything they can to destroy you financially. So definitely go check uh, out mypillow.com slash Melly. Use the promo code Melly. Use the promo code Melly on Brideonstore.com. Um, yeah, Brideonstore.com. All these links are over on freedomforce.live and support this channel because they're out here fighting hard to get the truth out. They have a truth platform. You know, all, all that Mike Lindell has done to try to get truth out about the election fraud. These people have been really taking it on the chin and they still stand up and fight. I'm so proud of them and so, so honored to be a part of what they're doing. So let's let's support them. But for the most part, the people who, uh, you know, most people have not been able to to do well in this uh, in this under this cabal system, because if you if you stand up, you get slammed down. But those who've agreed to be part of their deal, they are the ones who can buy and sell. They are the ones who can get wealthy and powerful and be be successful in this situation. And so, but they have to, a heavy price to pay because they're the ones they have to do as they're told. And if they don't, then they lose everything. So here is here are my books that I've written, uh, End Times and A Thousand Years of Peace. That's the, the first one I did. And I go into what is what are all the I decode all of Revelation, including the Mark of the Beast and 666, but also about these horsemen. And so I'm going to read to you the passage in Revelation talking about the horsemen. Um, this one is um, uh, the, the the one about the, the deprivation is right here from Revelation. Let me scroll up just a little bit. This is Revelation chapter six. And so I'm just going to start with the third seal. And so this is this black horse that comes along. When the lamb broke the third seal, I heard the living being say, come. And I looked up, I saw a black horse and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice from among the four living beings say, a loaf of wheat bread or lo three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay and don't waste the olive oil and wine. Okay, so what is this talking about? What is the scales? It's, it's the, it's what is, what is fair in, in trade? 
so so you work and work and work and maybe just get a little a little pittance a little just barely you know enough to survive or not even enough to you know you end up going into debt and that's what's happened to the people is we've just so many people are just in debt up to their eyeballs and the scales is is it's un it's an unfair that you work 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 and have a hard time you know just even surviving so um and it says you know <laughs> it's going to cost you uh, a whole day's pay to get a piece of bread. Okay, so that's that's what it's talking about, and that's that's what they've done worldwide. Everybody, all the currency has been manipulated by these people. So I'm going to show you about this currency war guy, and he's talking about oh, this was they bought, they saved the world uh, when we were in a debt crisis, and it was their money. So they did a great job. Yeah, it's their money because they stole it from the people. They manipulated it because of manipulating the currency. We'll get to that anyway. And don't waste the olive oil and the wine. Olive oil is about really about health and um, wine is about about joy but but here in this in this context just basically saying you know don't waste anything <laughs> we have to hold on to every little thing that we have because we're already so pinched down financially all right so that's what the the horses are about I'm not going to go into the other ones really very much except to say that the red one is war uh, the white one is the puppet leaders that we think they're our leaders and they're for us and they're not for us, right? Um, the pale horse is, is the disease. This is how they've controlled us by puppet leaders, war, the, the deprivation from the, the currency and disease. Those are the four horses. Those are the ones that they've used to trample us and attack us and to to um, to to damage us and to make us where we're, you know, all just <laughs> at the end of our tether all right so that's what that is about so people co come out oh the this was the horseman coming out I'm like no thank you lord that you helped me to decode revelation i've got the decode so if you know if there's anybody who wants to know the truth about end times share with them this book you can get the audio book right here and you can listen i go through chapter after chapter after chapter and we're also doing the, the study this weekend we're doing another study we do it once a month um but here's where you can actually buy it for others right there and you can send it for 2.99 so it's super super easy to do um so it's really encouraging so this is where i wanted to show you about the currency war wars um and how this is huge and i don't I, I hope we have enough time to get through the whole thing it's really amazing i want you to hear it I, like i want you to hear every little piece of it so this is where um you know i, I love to pieces bannon I love him to pieces, and he's done, it's such a great warrior, such a great patriot. He's worked so hard. He's fought so hard to get the truth out. But sometimes he's been saying something about, oh, with it, uh, the the he kind of talks about the the d the we're in the de-dollarization, and that's a bad thing. Well, the d in my opinion, the de-dollarization is you know we've got to wrestle the 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 financial control out of the hands of the Federal Reserve. And so we need to have our, our money backed by gold. I do not at all want to protect the bankers who own the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is does not is not owned by the American people or is not a part of our government. It is owned by all these international bankers, these ones that we are fighting. The, the bloodline families. And so he's he's kind of, uh, whenever I've listened to him, I thought, does he get it? He's so highly intelligent. He's so well versed in all of this. Why is he not calling out uh, and why is he trying to protect 
you know, the the dollar that is being controlled by the uh, by the by the bankers. Okay, I and I've always thought I think he is on a military timeline. I don't know whether he's one of the top ones in the in the seventeen. I don't know. I don't. I I don't know. But I I have a feeling that he has been told. Okay, we're don't hit this hard about uh, the currency and the uh, really breaking that open about the 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 bankers until twenty twenty four. I just find this very interesting that here. 2024 hit and all of a sudden now he's talking about the currency, which we've been talking about forever. We're like, you know, we have to get and, and of course, 17 talked about this long. I mean, first post almost like 30th post or something really early on back in 2017 that every bank has to have its currency backed by gold and that gold will destroy FED, which that's a whole, I did a whole video on that, but I'm not going to go into that right now. But the bottom line, we have to get the control of our currency. This is a war about the currency. And so he interviewed this man named James Rickards. And so this guy, I, in my opinion, the, <laughs> the jury is still out on this guy. He trusts these bankers. He trusts these, it, it seems, you can tell me what you think in the comment section. It seems that he trusts the, uh, these, uh, because these things are so highly intelligent. Well, yeah, you can be highly intelligent in the ways of evil. Okay. And he, he would, he would kind of, I think he's even said that too. But anyway, I want you to hear a little bit of, we'll, we'll talk about it as we go through it because it's super, super important. And um, they're going to talk about uh, the insider trading on 9-11. And we're going to get to the point where we talk about BRICS and about, uh, about Russia. And so really, really super important. So check this out. I did some checkings and you had been uh, people had reached out to you for wargaming exercises. They said, Hey, the, and my theory in the Pentagon, I was there. Why are we not focused more on economic warfare? Why are we having these huge defense budgets? And the defense budgets at the time were nothing compared to today. Why are we not focused on economic warfare? And in the very opening of your book, you said, hey, by the way, I'm a lawyer. I went here. I did this. I'm a Wall Street guy. But I got wrapped up in doing these war games. And this is really what the book's about. So tell me about that. Tell us your background, because I don't think a lot of people know it. Your background. Uh, your intellectual, you know, foundations, and how did that lead you to currency war, which has led to everything else? Yeah, it's hard to say whether uh, my background. So anyway, so basically, this guy is a high up in all. He's with the muckety mucks and the big, the big money people, and so he's highly intelligent. He's a, he's a, he's a, a, in economics, and so he's able to play these war games. So they 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 wore it out to see like on a giant game of risk to see okay if we do this then someone else does this well how is how has this affected and what is the best way to win the game and this is you know kind of like a giant game of chess but the uh, uh financially to control the world i mean it's just like the saturday morning cartoons like we want to control the world so that's you know, that's what he has done. Okay, so I wanted just to kind of jump ahead of where he's talking about some of these things. Uh, I don't really so much care about his history, but. College has been only five 
Ivy League law schools because three of them don't have one. But, uh, you know, Liz McGill's on the faculty. She was, we know what happened to her. She just got fired as president. And so, uh, the beast, if you want to put it that way, did that for 10 years, loved doing it, uh, had some great dialogues with Walter Rist. And I tell people that was back when Citibank was a bank before they turned it into a hedge fund. But uh, was also, I mean, candidly, we sort of thought Wall Street was like getting your hands dirty. But the, the Rist and Rand was Citibank as the finance arm of the State Department. So it fit in perfectly with my background in international studies. Um, then I went to the- So did you catch that? He's saying that Citibank is not a bank. It's a hedge fund. Okay. Basically a hedge fund is, is high stakes gambling with your, with your money and, and, and wreaking havoc on the stock market. Dark side, I joined a, a Wall Street investment bank. Um, we were one of the largest dealers in U.S. government securities, one of the so-called primary dealers. And the thing about being a primary dealer, it's not a well-known category, but it means you get to talk to the Fed. The Fed is uh, your customer. Uh, and there are only about 20 firms on the list. You know, they're all big banks, uh, but mine was one of them. That's when I really got immersed in federal finance and so forth. Then I went to work for a hedge fund, after about 10 years there, a hedge fund uh, called Long-Term Capital Management. Uh, we did extremely well and then hit uh, uh, hit an air pocket and almost closed yeah, every I think I've, I think I've, I think I think I think I've heard of it. It almost took down the American total financial system, right? Eventually. Well, actually, you're right, Steve. We were within hours of shutting down every market in the world. Now we did from the runways, bringing it for soft landing. If you think of it in deal terms, I know you're you're deal maker, but this was four billion dollars, all cash. Four days, no due diligence. That was the deal. Uh, you remember this? Back in the 90s, the whole thing just about went belly up. Uh, and and it, it basically, they had they had siphoned off so much of the money, so much of the money for themselves through the stock market. They had, they had and every which way under taxes and all this, they'd siphoned off so much that the whole thing was about to blow up, that the, it was going to shut down not only the U.S. government, uh, U.S. businesses and stock market, but every stock market in the entire world. And so they had to come together like, okay, we've, we've pushed it way too far. We've pushed it right over the cliff and we're going to kill the goose that laid the golden egg. And so they all came together and saved the day, but the, and it's $4 billion they had to, to, do, to pump back in, but they'd already... Uh, pumped out however many um, um, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of thousands of billions already and they just pumped back in four billion okay so it was just a pittance they're like oh we saved the day you're the ones who are wrecking the day <laughs> you didn't save the day you wrecked the day and so this is what they do they keep they push it push it push it until it's just at the breaking point because they just keep uh as just in this debt servitude OK, so and did you notice he was working for this securities company, uh, this investment bank that is the uh, dealing with the government securities? And they're the only ones that could really deal directly with the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve are the basically the banks controlled by the bloodline families. OK, so he's going to talk about that and how they did this emergency bailout. And they went from he's going to say from position to position to position all over the world looking up. Okay, what are the assets here? What are the assets there? What are the assets here? What's the currency? Is it is it is it valued uh, properly and all that? Because we've, you know, basically raped the financial systems all over the world. And so we need to get things, you know, tidied up so that they can be sustainable. All right. That the 14 banks to go in the 14 families, but we did it. We got it done. Did you hear that? 14 banks, 14 families. Did you catch that?
<laughs> this is this guy. I have a feeling that this guy is. I don't know if he's a useful idiot. I don't know if he is a bad guy. I don't know what Trump, what what Bannon really necessarily thinks about him. But he's saying, "Come on my show and talk about this." And so they're having this this conversation. So whether he's whatever his deal is, I I don't know. But he is confirming the fourteen families, the fourteen banks, the fourteen groups that control the world. And this is this is uh, <laughs> this is who are we're fighting. This is the enemy. He's telling you exactly what they did behind closed doors. Check it out. Listen up. But with hours to spare, Tokyo was hold, hold on, hang, hang, hang on, hang on. I got to, I got to talk. With hours to spare before the whole world, you know, went off the cliff. These people. About this, they called the New York Fed, and that's where you're talking about the prime brokers. And this will, we'll get into, you know, Krugman's out to, uh, over the weekend with an article. Doesn't want Trump, doesn't want Rickers, doesn't want war room. You can't touch the Fed. He said, next thing they're going to do, they're going to start arguing about the Fed. On long-term capital management, didn't they call you guys down to the, to, the, to the Federal Reserve in New York? And that's the one that makes things roll. That's where the trading desk is for these government securities. And these prime Correct. brokers, I think, with Citicorp, with Citicorp and others, own, we, don't own the, they, we don't own the Fed. The Federal Reserve's trading desk, the New York Fed, which is everything, is owned by private institutions or, or banks. Didn't they call right. guys in there and say, got them around the table and say, guys, here's how it's going to be. Pony, and this is back in the late 90s when $4 billion was a lot of money. You're going to pony up $4 billion. I like that. When $4 billion was a lot of money <laughs> back in the 90s. Pony up $4 billion. Come up with it now because the world's about to crater. And, and you know, for you and me, we're thinking $4 billion is huge money. When they've stolen uh, hundreds of billions, it's nothing. It's just it's just a pittance to throw it, just throwing a quarter back in the bucket. There's no due diligence. Let's go around the table and see what you're going to kick in. And we're not leaving here till we get $4 billion? Uh, yes and no. But we, we actually called them. So remember, we're a hedge fund. Who in the world? We never thought we would be uh, rescued or bailed out or anything of the kind. We, we could see what was happening. We had uh, bad risk management, as it turns out, but very good accounting. We knew exactly what was happening. By the way, one of our partners, David Mullins Jr., was the former vice chairman of the Federal Reserve, the Board of Governors. So he was a real... Fed inside, but we we called the Fed and told them what was happening. They didn't know, um, and so they came up on a Sunday afternoon. As Peter Fisher, who ran the open market desk, which is what you were describing, uh, Gary Gensler, believe it or not, who's now the head of the SEC, and another guy, Dino Cost, John Merriweather, who is our chairman, and I, we sat in a room for five hours. With uh, we, have, you know, of course, we had computers, but we had printouts, and we just turned the pages and went, you know, pay, position by position all around the world. And when we were done. And Peter Fisher had turned white. I mean, he's a white guy, but he had turned whiter. Uh, and he said, we knew you guys could destroy the bond market. We didn't know you could destroy the stock markets. We were actually uh, the biggest risk arbitrageur. We were in every deal. MCI WorldCom, City uh, Travelers, um, Lockheed Boeing. Uh, not that they all went through, but we anyway. So then Peter went back to New York and got, to get, got together with the head of uh, J.P. Morgan, uh, Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs and said, we're going to do something. John Corzine was involved. And they had no idea. They had stolen and stolen and they were just letting the good times roll and just stealing a million here's millions there, billions. And just just like what was happening right now with with the with Congress, just sending billions and billions over to to Ukraine and just devil may care. Not, don't don't worry. Just, just live it up and the, you know, don't worry about it. And then but they they just felt like they could go on and on and on doing this forever. And then they realized then they were like, this is this is coming crashing down. 
and they were the, the guy when he says he turned white, he was like he was flipping out. So he says we we've got you know we've got to do something about this because we've we've really screwed up. Okay, so check it out. And then they had the meeting at the Fed, and it's exactly what you described: the 14 families sitting around the table, getting pledges. It was it was supposed to be 250 million dollars each. Um, and then it would add up to, uh, to to four billion, approximately a little bit less. Um, and then, but you had you had friends like Bear Stearns that said, "No, we're not in." And you had a lot of drama behind the scenes. Uh, but then they sent us a term sheet, and then just for four days, nobody slept from Wednesday night to Sunday night. Um, nobody slept, worked around the clock, and we got it done. But here's what's so when you and the good books are written about it, but but people say, "Well, okay, what's the big deal?" They what they don't understand is that if it hadn't got done. Every market in the world would have closed sequentially, starting in Tokyo, London, ultimately New York. You know, they would have reopened at some point. But this was a major financial catastrophe that was this close to uh, to happening. Um, that was good, a good experience. Uh, I was uh, I was saying in the United States, when you screw up badly enough, they hand it over to the lawyers. Uh, so I happened to be the lawyer, so I, I ended up doing the deal. So all the markets would have closed, all the markets would have gone belly up, and and then they would have, you know, it would have been like the depression back in uh, whatever it was, 1913, whatever it was, and, and where the people just sitting on the side of the road because you couldn't, you wouldn't be able to have any factories running, any anything operational, no, you know, nothing would be operational. So this is what President Trump is fighting. These people who control the currency worldwide have for years. And he, when he went into office, he, as you know, he, he basically destroyed the Fed at that point because he put the, the uh, switch, the position. So now we are in control of our, of our currency. And so they've been, that's one of the reasons, main reasons that they have hated Trump ever since what he, what he did. And so this is, this is the bankers are the ones who hate him the most because they realize He's taken the, the power out of their hands. But this is very, very complicated, very high level uh, strategy uh, chess match worldwide, this gigantic game of risk. We're in a currency war right now. And most people are like, well, just arrest them. They, they, if they, when people say that, it, it shows that they don't know how, how deep and wide this issue is and what President Trump is really doing. It's, it's, it's bigger than anyone can imagine. So I want you to see that. Just, I'm like, my time's going to run out. I want to show you the whole thing. If, if time runs out, I want you to go and watch this whole thing because it's it's really inside baseball. What? Um, how did that lead to you running currency war around the time of the of the 2008 uh, crash? And why did the why did the military start saying, "Hey, th this is a new way. This could be a new way of warfare." It actually, put you into war gaming. Well, I came out of that very dissatisfied with the financial outcome. I, mean, I personally lost money, but you know, billions were lost. Uh, mostly our money, by the way. It was that's why we weren't lynched because it was mostly our money. But um, I just gotta stop. That makes me so mad. It mostly it was our money. It was our money that we used to save the world. We all threw in two hundred fifty million dollars, and it was our money. No, it's not. It's our money that you stole from us. It's not your money. You didn't save the world. You saved you saved uh, the the slave status so that we can continue being slaves for you. So 
makes it so mad. So he was he's dissatisfied, basically saying, hey, this is not right that they would push the envelope so far to where it would destroy the market. So I appreciate that and say we can't do it anymore. And so they had thought about this. He's going to talk about the bell curve that they that they uh, followed that. Oh, this is the bell curve. And you're never going to have something you know really dramatic happen. It's just, you know, just going to continue on. They just trusted that and they they just like I said, devil may care attitude about how they did their financial trades and their hedge fund trades and 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 screwing over the people. I'm telling you, <laughs> telling you the stock market. President Trump said he's not in the stock market. I wouldn't trust any of it. I don't trust these people. I don't trust these people. They I mean, they they'll let you go. Oh, look at you growing, growing, growing. It's going to be you're going to grow and grow this money. And then all of a sudden crash and then you lose it all. They just think it's so hilarious. It's like Lucy with the football. Anyway, check it out. The point was, I was the lawyer and, you know, compliance was good. Legal was good. We got the deal done, et cetera. I wasn't the risk manager, but I wasn't intellectually satisfied. I was like, wait a second. These guys really were geniuses and, and good guys. I mean, know them all. They're all friends. Uh, Myron Scholes and Bob Merton, two of our partners, won the Nobel Prize in economics the year before. Um, they had 160 IQs and we, we had a, a bunch of them. And I said, well, these guys really were the best and brightest. They really were the smartest. They really did win the Nobel Prize. And yet they they screwed up badly, like unimaginably. So they must be missing something. Of course, they didn't do it on purpose. So Of course. Of course, they didn't do it on purpose. This is why I can't be on Fox News or <laughs> ever be someone on there. Because you can see me do the eye roll over here while he's talking. I'm like... You know, these people, oh, they're nice guys. They're good guys. They're highly intelligent. I don't care if you, what kind of IQ you have, if you're doing this for evil and you're, and you're, you're stealing from the people, screwing over the people. They sit there in these lofty towers and they're just uh, punching in numbers that actually have an effect on us and how our livelihood and put us in, in, in um, all these difficult positions. It, it's, you know, don't tell me they're good guys. Maybe they're smart. Maybe they're intelligent. Maybe they have high IQs, but they're using it for evil, in my opinion. I just became intellectually curious. I'm like, okay, what is it about the models that Wall Street uses that could lead to a result like that? And I just started plunging into physics, uh, applied mathematics, complexity theory, a lot of branches of science, and I continued my career. But um, and, and I found the answer, which is that they assume, not to get too technical, but there's something called the bell curve, which is a normal distribution. Most events are in the middle, kind of boring. And then there are these two tails, and these are the extreme events, but they're extremely rare. You know, uh, Jamie Dimon, J.P. Morgan embarrassed himself a few years ago, and they lost money in that big whale trade. Um, and he said, this kind of thing only happens once every three billion years. Well, if you do a normal distribution, it is every once every three billion years, except it actually happens every seven or eight years. So that's supposed to tell you when the data doesn't line up with the theory, it's supposed to tell you the theory is wrong and it was wrong. And then uh, then I started another quest like, well, what what's right? What is the correct way to do it? Turns out to be a power curve, which is a different distribution. But these are so anyway, with that as background, again, physics and math and a lot of supply, I started, you know, lecturing and, you know, it was a regular you know, a guest uh, lecturer at trading ahead of 9-11. Um, the the oh, 9-11, I was tapped by the CIA because there was insider trading ahead of 9-11. Um, he just passes by that little factoid. There was insider trading before 9-11. This is Merrill Lynch, Wells Fargo, all the big names, JP Morgan, Citibank, all of them.
insider trading. What does that tell you? They knew about it. They planned it. It was an inside job, insider trading before 9-11. He just passes on that factoid. Just, you know, he's I'm, I'm glad that he's on here because he's he's exposing a lot of truth. That he doesn't even realize he's exposing. And maybe he's too he's too smart or too stupid to figure out that this is all highly criminal treason crimes against humanity. What they did on 9-11. And so when, when any any reasonable person says if they did insider trading, then they were part of it of 9-11 and all that has uh, all the mayhem that has happened since to take away our freedoms. So he's that because of this insider um, trading on 9-11, they realized they needed to do these war games, currency war games. Check this out. The 9-11 Commission kind of covered it up. And I know why and I know who did it. But um, it, but it was crystal clear. I talked to I talked to the New York Stock Exchange specialist in American Airlines and United Airlines, who was who were the two airlines that were hijacked. And he was he told you know, John Maharan uh, passed away a few years ago. He, he said, Jim, I've never seen a more blatant case of insider trading in my life. Um, so, so the CIA, we're not, uh, it was not a law enforcement agency. That's the SEC and the FBI. CIA is an intelligence agency. So what they said was, okay, if there was insider trading ahead of 9-11, which there was, if there were another terrorist attack, would there be insider trading again? Could you find it, get a FISA warrant, break down the door and stop the attack? And we did a two-year the study on that and came to the conclusion, yes, all, you could do all of those things. And then I actually worked with partners and we built, uh, for the agency, we built a prototype of a system that would do exactly that. <clears throat> so that was kind of my immersion in the national security world. So when this war game idea came up, uh, <clears throat> the Pentagon didn't need any help from me in terms of war games generally, but they needed help in terms of Wall Street because they had never done a financial war game before. You know, this we no, the whole idea was there were no missiles or bombs or anything. You just you're going to use financial weapons, currencies, stocks, bonds, commodity, you know, foreign exchange. Let me just say, the cabal's been doing this for thousands of years. This is where it goes back to the four horsemen. These four horsemen have been what has been destroying humanity for thousands of years. They've been using this black horse deprivation currency to uh, of the currency to destroy humanity for lots of years. Maybe the, the Department of Defense is too compartmentalized and doesn't understand it, whatever. But this is this is how the cabal has been running game on us forever. Change, et cetera. Um, so I was asked to provide that expertise. I was on the development team, but then I actually got to participate in the game. And very late in the process, um, we were recruiting, you know, the participants on the team. You have five teams, red team, blue team, all that, you know, U.S., Russia, China, the teams you would expect. And uh, but I looked at the list and it was, you know, CIA, FBI, Treasury Department, Fed, think tanks, universities, what I call the usual suspects. And I said to the director, I said, you know, um, war involves you know, lying, cheating, stealing, and deception. And so if you want to have that, you need somebody from Wall Street to, to join the group. So I got permission to recruit a couple real Wall Streeters. I got a senior guy from um, UBS, uh, the big Swiss bank, and um, another guy who had run uh, Citibank Moscow uh, and got them on the team. So we had some real world experience. Um, and when I came home after two days, uh, I said to my wife, uh, I said, I have good news and bad news. The, the good news is my team won. Uh, the bad news is I played China. Um, and that, that was the, they have a scorekeeper and that was the outcome. So from that, 
Uh, so that was in 2008. We did it at the Top Secret Warfare Analysis Laboratory at the Applied Fit. Okay, he's going he's gonna to stop it right now, but I, I know our time is running out. But I want you to see that the main, the main thing I want you to see was they used where they, uh, a, a tricky thing that they didn't want him to use, that they put the, uh, they backed the currency by gold to, uh, and his team to see the effect that it would have. Check it out. So you go up in this war game. You guys are up at Princeton at the advanced studies. Isn't that the thing Einstein in the movie Oppenheimer? Yeah. Isn't that the big scene up there where they're, where they're given uh, Admiral Schwartz is trying to give Oppenheimer to be the head of it and, and, and Albert Einstein is there? Yeah, that, well, that's the Institute for Advanced Studies at Princeton and Einstein was there. We were in a different location. We were at the Applied Physics Laboratory, uh, with the war game. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so we had this crew and I got a couple of Wall Streeters in there. So before I went down there, I had uh, dinner in Darren, Connecticut, where I lived at the time, with um, this, the one fellow who was who was the Russian expert. And I said, I said, Steve, here's what we're going to do. Uh, uh, Steve Hallowell was his name. I said, you're on the Russian team. I'm on the China team. When we take our first break and we go to our embassies and whatever to come up with our plans, we should both push our team members to go back for those countries to go back to a gold standard. The idea was Russia and China would jointly announce that from now on, if you wanted to buy Russian energy or Chinese manufactured goods, you can only pay for it in a new currency that they had created. They're going to set up a bank in London, uh, issue a new currency, etc. In other words, not using the banker's currency, not using the 14 bloodline family's currency. But it was 100% backed by gold. And if you wanted this currency, you could either deposit gold in the bank, which is fine, which they did, or you could run a trade surplus and get some other currency or uh, or borrow it. But um, but but the dollar was done. They weren't going to take dollars anymore. And obviously, this is not the kind of thing that happens overnight. It's forward leaning. But that's the whole idea of a war game is to lean five or ten years forward and tell people what's going to happen. Um, and so uh, my Chinese partners, including one guy who went on the National Security Council for Obama, rejected the idea. But the Russian team went for it. Uh, and then it was funny, the, the, um, they have referees. And, the, and when we first did it, uh, announced it, the referee said, you can't do that. You're, you're, you're breaking the rules or whatever. And I stood up and said, wait a second, it's a war. There are no rules. You can do whatever you want. Oh, okay, our time's going to run out, but this is the point. He's like, you can't, you can't, that's breaking the rules. You have to be within the 14 bloodline families uh, currency system. And they're like, no, we, we can, we, that's the whole point of war. We can break the rules. And so this, they said, yeah, okay, well, we do need to find out what would happen if there was ever a group that would come in and try to have their currency backed by gold. And there you go. Okay, watch the rest of this another time. Uh, go on my channel uh, and, and uh, I'll put the link below on so you can make sure to find, uh, find that. But it, I just posted it on the 9th of January. And you can just look, look up Jane, uh, Jim Rickards. Anyway, so yeah, this is what the BRICS nations are doing. All those countries that have joined now, they, they have added six new members. They are having their currency backed by gold because they are not they're not playing with a dollar anymore. They're saying we are going to if you want to buy anything from us, you have to buy it with a gold backed asset. We're not taking dollars. You can transfer your trans, uh, uh, transition your money into 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 gold. That's fine, whatever. But we're not going to take currency that's not backed by gold. So this is exactly what's happening. This war game is happening before our eyes. I wanted you to see that. And I want you to see how connecting it to Habakkuk chapter two, where it says um, in their greed, they've swallowed up many nations, um, gathered up many peoples. I'm sorry, I'm getting too fast. In their greed, they have gathered up many nations and swallowed many peoples. But soon their captives will taunt them. They will mock them saying, what sorrow awaits you thieves. Now you will get what you deserve. You've become rich by extortion, but how much longer can this 
this go on? Suddenly your debtors will take action. They will turn on you and take all you have while you stand trembling and helpless because you plundered many nations. Now all the survivors will plunder you. This is what we're experiencing. We are watching Habakkuk chapter two take place because the BRICS nations are all saying, no, we're not playing this game anymore. Now just trust President Trump in the plan because we're going to, he's going to destroy the Federal Reserve. And this is what is happening right now. It's like this is the final battle and the final battle is to take down these international bankers, the bloodline families. This is what I want you to see. Okay. So this is, um, and it actually, of course, on the famous post from uh, December 12th, says uh, 2018, do we have the gold? Yes, we have the gold. You're like, oh, what? Uh, and actually part of this video, that, and I don't, I don't have time to show it to you, but it talks about that Russia, this man was saying that Russia started out with 600 million tons of gold. Now they have 3,000 uh, metric tons of gold. 600, I'm sorry, sit, I'm gonna say it again. Russia formerly had 600 metric tons of gold. Now they have 3,000 metric tons of gold. This is gigantic. They have, because of that, this is the war game. This is the currency war game that they played. They have, whatever, uh, taken their gold and multiplied it times five because, because of now doing transactions that are fair. And instead of this manipulated where they continually take and scoop, the bloodline family scoop off the top. That's why they're mad. They don't want to not be able to scoop off the top and keep us enslaved. They know that if we're not enslaved, if we have a, a minute to think, then we'll be able to realize what they are doing to us and come out of their system. And that's what we're doing. All right. So I want you to see that. And um, I have something else to show you, but I'm not, I'm just, uh, unfortunately, I'm just not going to be able to show it to you, but definitely go and check that out. Check out the book, End Times, uh, Major Clues for Minor Prophets, because I talk about that even more in there about, um, about uh, the, how they're using their, their the, the, uh, the, the money, how this is where I really talk about Habakkuk chapter two in this book, End Times, Major Clues from Minor Prophets. Okay. Um, so let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, that this is happening before our eyes. Thank you that you've exposed it so that we understand what's going on. This is that black horse. They've been running game on us all this time and that we now understand what's going on. Thank you for Brideon and thank you for my pillow and thank you for all these wonderful patriots, Bannon and obviously our wonderful President Trump, all these who understood what was going on and have used their uh, their amazing abilities and their their funds to wake up humanity. Bless our efforts. Lord, help us to fulfill, and I know we will, Habakkuk chapter 2. It says we will taunt them and we will mock them and, and uh, we will turn on them and take all they have while they stand trembling and helpless. Thank you, Lord, for that promise. We know that this is the day we're going to see that happen. We just thank you and praise you. Bless our efforts, Lord, in every which way that we can, can be part of what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. My time is out. I knew it. I will. Uh, I love you guys. I'll see you next Wednesday, 10 a.m. Central on Brideon.tv.